tax time is always a good time to get an assessment of your financial condition. But most importantly too is take a look at where your money's coming and where your money's going. And, and see where it ends up at the end of each month. Are you, is there more month than money? Or is there more money than month? Welcome to Rise and Stride, where we empower you to take your next step in an ever-changing business landscape. Here's your host, Denise LaDuke Fremming, President and CEO of the California Society of CPAs. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rise and Stride. With me today is CPA Larry Pond, a CPA in Redwood Shores and a longtime Cal CPA member. Larry also is a speaker and instructor on the latest tax topics, and you can often find him quoted in the media, lending his expertise on tax and personal financial matters. Larry also teaches Accounting 181 Individual Income Tax with tax software at the College of San Mateo. So thank you, Larry, so much for being with us today. Hello, Denise. And thank you for being a longtime member of CalCPA. We really appreciate your dedication and commitment. It's been 30 years. <laughs> it's been 30. Wow. Thank you very much for that. So I just wanted to start in. I know you have a strong interest in personal financial planning, in financial literacy. We've talked about it a couple of times when we've been together. And I just really appreciate your passion for helping people to find financial freedom, because I think it's it's so important um, in the world at large, but also just given kind of where we're going with the um, financial conditions we're currently in, I think it's re- extremely important. So maybe you can um, tell us all just how you became so passionate about personal financial planning and financial literacy, kind of your journey. Yeah, well, I was always interested in financial literacy, just just from watching people around me who are not making the best decisions or don't understand all the various decisions they make. And I just want to educate people about um, what the right financial skills you need to have and make the right decisions. So especially among younger people, like in our local schools, try to expose uh, the students to making sound financial choices, such as understanding credit. Uh, we start with things like how to buy a car. What kind of decisions do you need to make to buy a car and how to, to have good credit and not to get into trouble? That's important. I mean, that's I think a lot of people could use that education because the, the credit piece is definitely something that gets individuals in trouble. And I know you, I was on a call with you, I think at the San Mateo community. Was it the high school there? Yeah, you were a guest at one of our high school events with some wonderful CPAs as guests sharing what they do and why they're passionate about their work. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just so nice to see the kids really appreciated the conversation. And I just, I don't think they get exposure to that as often as they need to. It's It's really important. And I when my son graduated, the one thing I gave him was a spreadsheet. <laughs> I said, here's how much you're going to make and here's how much you're going to spend and here's what you have to save. And so it's, and he sticks with that. So it's important just to get that um, exposure when you're young. So thank you for, for being there for, for students and young professionals. Appreciate that. So what other obstacles or common mistakes do you see people kind of facing or not really thinking about when they're looking at their personal financial planning? I think emotion gets in the way of a lot of things. Psychology gets in the way and a lot of misinformation. So currently, 
a lot of misinformation is being spread through TikTok. Have you heard about all those crazy tax planning schemes um, put on by people on TikTok? TikTok, it's just amazing what you're hearing about these schemes. And they'll take a nugget of some information and then they expand it. And, and, and you know it's not right, but this information is being disseminated. And this is, um, there are statistics of younger people where they get most of their news and guidance from TikTok. That's interesting. I like that you when you said that about the emotion, because I think that gets in the way of a lot of financial decisions that we make, buying a house, whatever we do, we want something, and then we just disregard some of the financial information at times. Yeah, a good example is when it comes to cars. I mean, that's a very emotional purchase, not a, not a very um, analytical purchase, but it's an emotional purchase. You buy that car because it makes you feel good but it might not be the most practical car. It might not be the right car for you. And certainly it probably costs more than what it should. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good example. So the TikTok, can you tell me a little bit more about that as far as what should young professionals or anyone look at when they see something on TikTok? Is there some tip you have or what should we be aware of? I think what you got to be aware of, especially with social media, is where the information is coming from. Is there a conflict of interest there? Is there a reason why that person is promoting a certain type of investment? So for example, you hear a lot of commercials on the radio for, they're basically insurance salespeople. You know, so, so I mean, but does, does buying an insurance policy or annuity make sense for you? But it certainly makes sense for the person selling it because they would be paid a very nice commission. But that's not probably not the right answer for you as a consumer. Mm-hmm. Have you seen a fraud or something out there that just like astonished you or shocked you in your career? Something that you thought you'd never see? Nothing shocks me anymore. So. <laughs> but, but the most current trend, if you ever turn on your radio, is you hear these commercials for the employee retention credit. And just this weekend, I, I heard four back-to-back commercials from four different providers saying, uh, if you have employees, you're entitled to $26,000 free from the government. And you have to be very careful about that because the IRS imposes significant penalties if you're applying for these credits and you get them and you're not supposed to. So you got to be really careful about that. That's a great example because I get emails all the time too saying, you know, you're entitled to X number of dollars. And I know it's a scam, but a lot of people out there I mean, they, they see that and it comes from a, maybe a credible, in quotes, maybe a credible source. And so they think it's it's valuable. Yeah, it's a really good example. Especially if you get them via email. So don't click on any of those links because you might download some bad software onto your computer or, or on your phone. If you click on any of those links, you get through your text. So do not click on links from people you don't know. That's that's so true. That's just a good tip in general, not to not to click on them. We have a lot of education here at Cal CPA that says do not click on the links. And if you do, then you're going to get some remedial training. So don't do it. <laughs> it's the key. So just switching gears just a bit here. Um, you know, there's growing momentum to incorporate financial literacy in schools. And California earlier this year earmarked more than four billion dollars um, to the Department of Education to develop curriculum. There's also a push to recognize accounting as part of the STEM, the science, technology, and engineering and math programs in school. And we've been um, involved in a lot of that legislation as well. 
So why do you think these uh, movements are important and what role can CPAs, all of us, play within that? Right. First of all, let's talk about getting accounting to be considered to be STEM. That's at the federal level. There was a bill in Congress in the last Congress, and it didn't, didn't make it past committee. So there's going to be a new Congress after the midterm elections starting in January, and hopefully we'll get some more sponsors to put that bill back in in Congress. That's for making accounting STEM. So that gives us some more extra funding and some more awareness for the accounting profession and accounting, just accounting discipline. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of California financial literacy education, Cal CPA has been involved for decades, for decades. And, and I think in this legislative session, this is the closest we've come this year. This is the closest we've come to actually have some uh, financial literacy legislation. And, and the reason is, is because it wasn't going to cost the state that much money, but to provide uh, financial literacy education at the high school level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's We've been having a lot of conversation with the legislators, and you probably are involved in the education we do as well, just so that they understand um, where we're at as far as the financial literacy. Because to your point, Larry, I don't know that many people really know that for decades, as you said, mm-hmm. CalCPA, CPAs have been doing really involved mm-hmm. in financial literacy, which is just critically important to um, to everyone. As, as you couldn't plan. On, on CPA Day uh, in January and in the fall in the district, uh, the district offices, we always have that on our agenda with our discussions with the legislators. And we have some movement there. So recently uh, we were able to give a um, tax update workshop for, for one of the legislature's town halls for the constituents. And just a few weeks ago, um, I delivered a financial literacy um, seminar to the interns of one of our state senators. And these were sent, these were interns who are high school and college level, and they're in college or they're in high school. And we talked about uh, uh, things that are important to them, such as how to pay less for college, how not to incur student loan debt, how to make um, good credit decisions. And, and there are a lot of questions about investing. You know, how do I invest in stocks? And what are bonds? And of course, with young people, they always ask about cryptocurrency and digital assets. And and it's so important. I think you said this at the beginning too. It's so important to have that to start out right, right? Because if you start out with debt and credit card debt, and it's just difficult to get out of that. So how do you start out right so that you can keep building that financial um, wealth? Right. We talked about credit. We talked about credit. And I told them your credit score is your adult version of your GPA. The higher the score the less expensive your debt, the more likely to get an apartment, the likely to get a good loan on a car. If you have bad credit, it's just going to get more expensive. And you're young, you really can't afford to hurt your credit. So be very careful of maintaining a good credit rating. Mm-hmm. I like that, that you said it's like your GPA, because everybody, everybody can identify with that. So don't have a C or a D. That's, right. <laughs> That's the point. Have B or A ratings. It's great. And, and you did say something about the, you know, Bitcoin, we know, Ethereum, Solana, those, all the cryptocurrencies, kind of top of mind and the digital assets. So what, how do you think we all can lean um, more into that so we understand it? And what do you see as far as what CPAs need to do in order to um, understand some of that world? Because it's definitely um, there and going to be more prevalent. 
Yeah, this digital asset has certainly uh, caught the attention of the IRS. So the IRS is looking at it very closely. It's caught the attention of our regulators, such as the SEC. So as CPAs, it's important for us to, one, understand them and, and see how they work and all that. And two, educate our clients, because we, we've had clients lose significant amounts of money uh, in investing in, in, in these virtual assets or digital assets. So some education is important. And I did, I think just basic investing education is so important because uh, a lot of people don't understand that. They think investing is the same thing as day trading or buying individual stocks. And that's not necessarily true. And so um, there's a survey of, there's a, over half Americans do not own any stock because they don't know anything about it. They're afraid of it. And they equate it to gambling and day trading. So we need to get past that and educate people the importance of how to be an investor and how to how to reach your financial goals. And it's it's possible by putting a plan in place, taking one step at a time. Right. I often someone said to me, it's not what you make, it's what you save. Exactly. It's what because you keep. If what you keep, because you can have someone make a hundred thousand dollars and be a millionaire at the end, and someone make five hundred thousand and have nothing. Right. So it is. It's all what you keep in that investing. I didn't realize that statistic, that over half. We have so many clients, especially here in Silicon Valley. We do their tax returns. They, they show us their W-2. It's a half a million dollar W-2. And they have no savings. And, and, and it's amazing how people just kind of spend up to their level of income. And they have no savings. So we, we do our best. So there are some clients who have saved money because I forced them to. And that's the only way it got them to save any money at all. Otherwise, it would never happen. No, it's it's always better to have your check just go directly into something than it is for you to get it just so you don't even see it or get your hands on it. It's always the best. That's right. Good point. So maybe, and I think you just mentioned this too, but socially conscious investing. And we've been talking about that at Cal CPA. It's been top of mind, I know, for a lot of organizations and individuals. How do you socially um, conscious invest? And People are deciding where they put their money. So what would be some tips or strategies you would give um, those investing to say, I, I really don't want to invest in tobacco or something like that. I want to be more socially responsible. Yeah, that's a very good question. Because should I have my personal feelings involved with my investing strategies? And that's a good question because sometimes um, the results could be very good by not investing what we call sin stocks. But sometimes not, right? So I, 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 my, I honestly don't know the right answer to that. I mean, there's some clients who have enough money to have what's called an individualized portfolio, and they told the portfolio manager, no defense contractors, no nuclear power, no tobacco or whatever. And they're okay with missing out on those investments. But I don't know how that affects investing as a whole, because sometimes it helps and sometimes it doesn't. So um, I think it's very hard personally for me. I don't pay attention to any of that because when you're talking about um, what's the initials, ESG, social investing and all that, well, everyone has a different idea of what that means. And not everybody invests the same way. And there's different funds that invest in one way. They're also called socially conscious investing, but everyone has their own opinions. So that's a good question. I, I, I personally just like to invest broadly and well diversified in a low cost method. So whatever's in the market, that's what we're invested in. Mm -hmm. The low cost, I'm glad you said that as well, because that's important to pay attention to as well. Yeah. 
Very important. I know it's hard with the ESG to know because even when you look in a fund, you have to dig so deep sometimes to see where they're investing. And it just, it's like a layer of an onion. You just have to keep peeling it back. And at some point, how much of that is really um, worthwhile? I'm not sure either. It's, it's definitely a good topic for debate at some point in time. So as we record this, National Day of Giving is right around the corner. And this is a time, you know, I think all of us know when many of us make contributions to causes and organizations that are important to us. So it's unfortunate, though, at times there's scammers, you know that best, you just talked about that with TikTok, are out there. So what advice would you give all of us as we look to, you know, open up our pocketbooks and give to make sure that we're giving to the right causes and to something that really will have an ROI, essentially? Right. Always do your homework. Always do your research. I mean, it's certainly easiest when you're invest when you're donating to a charity that's local and you know them, you know the people, and you volunteer there and you see how the money is being spent. So those work out really well. And you got to be careful because there's a lot of charities with very similar sounding names to other national charities, and it, it might have a totally different mission. So um, there's a lot of resources you can go to to, to, to look up these, these uh, organizations. Um, the Better Business Bureau has the, a, a giving alliance that you can go to their website and they'll give you a report card uh, of, of, the, of, the, of the charity. But you know, most importantly, just to understand where, what they're doing and where they're spending the money. Now for us CPAs, here's what I look at. I look at, I give a dollar, how much of that dollar actually goes to the program? versus going into overhead. So as a nerd, I, I go deeper than that. I look at their tax return because a nonprofit's tax return is public is public information. So you can go to uh, certain websites and look them up, look up the form 990. You can read about it and see how much are they paying the CEO and how much are they spending versus uh, going to the direct programs. So you know, so that's where our CPAs can help. A lot of clients ask us, so oh, I want to get to this charity or whatever. And sometimes I go, whoa, that sounds a lot like a national charity, but it's not them. It's someone else. So there's a lot of common sounding names you got to be careful about. That's a good point because I'm a nerd too that goes to the 990s a lot. <laughs> so I like to look at that because it's a, it has so much information in it. And there is think on the, um, when it's a C3 charity, there is the, how much of the dollars to your point goes to the program and how much goes to overhead and so forth. So you can really see um, where they're using their dollars. And another, another way, another layer of support is if you give to a donor advice fund and then out of your donor advice fund, you can go to the charities. Well, a lot of times the donor advice fund will vet these charities uh, before it even leaves the fund. So that's another layer of protection to consider. And you can get a donor advice fund either through a community foundation or or through some of the large investment companies such as Schwab or Fidelity. But, um, but they have done some screening because they're not going to send the money to any charity unless they meet certain qualifications. Right. It's so important. It really is because you don't know. You don't. And I think GuideStar is where a lot of the 990s are. So you can go on there and, and look at that as well. And if you don't know, find your CPA and they will help you with the whole story. Also, we can be very helpful with our clients in the most tax effective way to give to charity. Uh, for our older clients, uh, I always recommend give your donations out of your IRA account. 
that's called a qualified charitable distribution because most people are not itemizing. So they're giving money to their favorite charity. They're not getting a tax benefit because the standard deduction is so high now. So most people are not itemizing. So might as well give it out of your IRA account as long as you're over 70 and a half. Up to $100,000 can go to your favorite charities. So that's one recommendation. The other recommendation are people with um, appreciated stock. Yes, there is appreciated stock out there. And instead of selling it and incurring a capital gain, you can donate the stock either directly to the charity or to your donor advice fund. And you get the deduction equal to the value of the stock. And you don't have to worry about paying the capital gains tax. So we want to be tax efficient with our charity too. That's a great tip. Out of the, I, I've not, not heard of that before. So such good tips from Larry here. <laughs> you can get your uh, give to your charity and also be tax efficient. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's great. So for those that are listening who feel that they need to look at their finances, because now they're inspired, you've inspired them, Larry, to look at them. What would you say is the first step that they should take? Well, a lot of times, tax time is the best uh, best time to do this because you're gathering all your financial information. And that's always a good time to see where you stand financially because you have to take a look at your W-2s, your 1099s, and your investment statements and see where your gains and losses are. So tax time is always a good time to get assessment of your financial condition. But most importantly, too, is take a look at where your money's coming and where your money's going. And, and see what ends up at the end of each month. Are you, is there more month than money or is there more money than month? So take a look at that. And are we taking advantage of all the employee benefits that you're entitled to? Are we taking advantage of the employer match for your retirement plan? Are we picking the right health plan? Because some people just go with the, the least costly one, but is that the right one? And there's a lot of pre-tax benefits your employer might offer that you want to take advantage, such as dependent care, the flexible spending account. So those are very important uh, considerations to make. And if you're self-employed, take a look at what kind of retirement plans you should set up for your business and what type of employee benefits you should should, um, provide to your employees. Because as you know, it's really tough hiring people now. It's also tough keeping people. So by by giving them better benefits might uh, incentive to stay with you. Those are really good tips. It's and I really like when you brought up the um, healthcare, right? Because I think a lot of times people don't understand. There's a lot of policies. I mean, we give six different choices, but there's maybe the right choice for you, right? Is not it's not always the same across the board. Yeah, health healthcare is in, in this country is unfortunately very complicated and. I notice our clients don't always make the right decisions. You know, they, they they just go with what they've known. They just keep checking the box. But, you know, should we look at an HSA qualified health plan? Should we look at a PPO, an HMO, or, or whatever type of plan? Should we even look at the exchange? In California, it's called the Color Covered California. So we want to make sure you get the right care for you and your family. Mm-hmm. And that's important. I think before we all just took like the PPO or HMO, that's all we did. And now with the HSA, it's a really good benefit for younger, um, anyone, I do it. It's just, it's very helpful because down the road, it can help with your Medicare and whatever you may have um, as you get older. So there's there's a lot of um, benefits, as you said. 
Yeah, that's great. You got to look at everything, right, Larry? There's so that's many right. different. You got to look at the big picture. And I noticed um, many people just, just make their decisions based on one variable. Well, there's a lot of variables to look at. And just like buying a car, like we were talking about earlier. I mean, some people just look at the tires. Well, you don't buy a car just because of the tires, just the rest of the car and see what features you're looking for. See if that works for you before, before you buy that very expensive asset. Mm-hmm. There's so many pieces. So what, as we're ending, what would be, um, as far as financial literacy and what we can do as CPAs and just even as um, citizens of this country to help advocate, what can we do to help others really understand the financial literacy? Should they reach out to their colleges, to students? What would be your suggestion? Well, we have uh, uh, many members of Cal CPA, and I'm the chair of the Financial Literacy Committee, and we have a wonderful committee throughout the entire state of California of some great volunteers. So we're available to 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 help. We're available to give presentations, to give one-on-one coaching, and so we're here to help. We're not here to sell anything or to expand our business, but it's just uh, it's just to help um, uh, younger people, older people, basically everybody. Great. And you're out there, Larry. I just so appreciate you're in the high schools, in the middle schools. I know you go and speak on financial literacy all the time. So thank you. We really appreciate that at Cal CPA. And, you know, the bigger thank you, because the more people we have that are educated on the financial literacy, really the stronger um, communities that we'll have and business communities that we'll have. So just appreciate everything you're doing. And if anyone's listening that's in a school that they want to reach out, reach out to Larry. Um, he's great at connecting everyone. And we, we really want to be out there as an army to, um, to make a difference. So any last words of advice for us, Larry? Well, on the CalCPA website, calcpa.org, we also have a financial literacy page. And there's some information there and also some links you can click on. You're, you want to find a speaker to your organization. You can request a speaker there. And um, and we're all, we're we're here to help, and we want to help. I think that's the most important thing. And our our volunteers are just wonderful. I just really appreciate all the good work they do, and I appreciate their passion. So we got to keep it going. And there's a lot more work to be done, though. And we can't rely on government. So my thought on financial literacy is at the grassroots level. We're not going to get it from the from the politicians or the or the administrators of the schools. It's going to come from the parent volunteers, so being in touch with the parents, the PTA, um, uh, various groups, and also working with our legislators. Our legislators are always doing town halls, and just let them let them know we're available to help. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's just making that connection that's so important for for each and every one of us. But we can make a difference, and like Larry said, we want to. So. Thank you, Larry, for being with us today. I know you're very busy, like I said, with your media and being out there, but we really appreciate your um, words of wisdom here and your tips. Thank you, Denise. Rise and Stride is produced by the California Society of Certified Public Accountants. To learn more, visit calcpa.org.